Feeling like you're missing out or worrying about missing out is so common when you're sober. Some things just aren't the same after you quit drinking, and it takes some time to get comfortable with that. And of course, sometimes we're worrying far too much about the things that end up not being an issue at all anyway. We're going to dig into FOMO today. What it means, how we overcome it, so we don't feel like we're missing out on anything at all. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Guys, if you love what we do here, please consider sharing this episode with a friend that you think could use it. It will help them and it'll help us. Right. Welcome everybody. This is an awesome group of people tonight and I'm so excited to get to chat with all of you. And we're going to start with introductions. We're going to have Sherilyn go first. Hi. Um, so yeah, my name's Sherilyn. I am sober AF for today on Instagram. I've been sober for 404 days and uh, I am originally from Norwich, UK, but now I live in France and I've been trying to get sober from alcohol ever since 2014. And this is my longest streak ever. And I'm very excited to be here. So thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's really nice to get to chat with you. And next, we'll go with Eliza. Hi, thanks so much for having me. My name's Eliza Foltz. I am from the Boston area, so suburbs right outside of Boston. I've been in recovery now for almost four years. It will be four years on October 16th, which is exciting. Um, I got in recovery through, you know, I'm a big multiple pathways advocate. Uh, I've probably talked about that before on here. So um, I got in recovery with the help of MAT, but I, you know, I'm a big believer in whatever works. It wasn't obviously none's just none's a silver bullet. You need a bunch of different things kind of working together. So the community and meetings and, and having support and finding hobbies I love played a big role for me too. And I actually now um, work in the recovery space, not in treatment, not in direct care, but for a software company that has a, a solution that measures and, and elevates outcomes through biometrics. Amazing. Amazing. Really cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we will definitely include your links and and everything in our show notes. So it's really nice to see you again. Eliza's been here with us once before. So it is lovely to see your face again. Thank you. And last but not least, we have Alex. My name is Alex Brummel, second time guest on the show. I'd like mm-hmm. to mention as well. Recurring guest, I believe they call that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Recurring. Yeah. Practically yeah. a regular. Yes, Practically. that's right. <laughs> I grew up in deep south Texas, Hook'em Horns, and uh, now I'm currently residing in Omaha, Nebraska. I have been sober from alcohol for a little over 10 months, so 
10 months and 11 days. I started doing some math when you guys said sober dates. So I'm very excited to talk about this topic tonight because I think it's huge in the sober community. And I want to thank you, Steve and Julie, for asking me to be on. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, we appreciate that. Last minute. Appreciate you so much. I will also say Steve and I were actually recently guests on Alex's podcast, which is called the What in the World podcast. Um, We are, I'll include a link in the show notes here. And then we're also going to talk about that a little bit on social media too. So keep an eye out for that and definitely check out Alex's podcast. That's what a good podcast host would have done right there. Plug his own podcast. But, you know, thank you, Julie, for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) We we had a lot of fun. Uh, So thanks for coming on, by the way. Yeah, we had a lot of of fun there. You can check out the podcast. You can find it on YouTube. So you can see a little bit of or listen to a little bit of the history of how Through the Glass came about and even the meetings and the whole deal so yeah how we met even yeah you guys are having quite an evolution too right now so i'm psyched to hear about that absolutely cool yeah definitely give it a listen we had an awesome conversation it was great it was so, a good time absolutely an honor to have shared alex's space with him and now we have him here with us so anyway let's talk about fomo For those that aren't familiar with the term, it means the fear of missing out. That feeling of not wanting to be left out, which, of course, is a really valid fear when you decide to remove alcohol from your life. We want to hear what FOMO has looked like in your life since you got sober. Share with us what you've missed out on, how it's affected your sobriety, and share anything you've learned about moving through FOMO without letting it drag you down. Am I going to be the one to start? Am I going to break the ice? Go for it. You can be the icebreaker. FOMO for me was maybe what I was most nervous about when I got sober. A lot of my daily activities, a lot of my friends meeting up with my friends all revolved around alcohol, meeting at bars, sporting events, you know, you name it, place where beer is sold. And when you first get sober, you kind of think like, man, I'm going to be the wet blanket at these events, or I'm going to show up. And the first thing people are going to do is want to buy me a shot. And then I'm going to have to say no. And then I'm going to have to go on this long, detailed story about why I'm sober. And now my life is just better without alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And I have been pleasantly surprised in this arena of my life. There are some, especially when you first get sober, there are some of those initial kind of questions that aren't necessarily uncomfortable to answer, but you know, you're just kind of walking people through the process. And then your friends that matter, the ones that you want around anyway, once they know you're sober, they don't offer you booze anymore. And it's pretty simple. You know, it's it's actually been very nice. Perfect example was two weekends ago I went on a golf trip to Kansas City with friends. And uh you know, everybody knew I was sober and I'm drinking Diet Pepsi while they're drinking their Coors Lights and that's totally fine. You know, I tell people all the time, you don't have to change anything about your life because you're around me. And it was totally fine and it was a great weekend and, and we had a lot of fun. So it it can seem kind of daunting making that big lifestyle change at first, at least for me. But I've found that I'm not really missing out 
on anything by being sober. And as Steve and Julie like to say, you're adding to your life. Make a life so full that you don't have room for alcohol, right? So that's, uh, it, it's it when you're living in the moment and you're having that fun with your friends, if they matter, booze is just another thing that maybe they might be participating in, but you don't certainly have to do it, you know, to fit in or whatever. So... So did you feel like you were missing out on the full experience of the golf trip because you weren't drinking? I think this is something that comes up for a lot of people. So I'd be, I'd love to hear your answer. I didn't. Uh, let me put it this way. If it was the first two months after me getting sober, I absolutely would have been thinking, man, I'm missing out on the time. Man, I'm missing out on sharing these drinks with friends. Man, I'm missing out on this, that or the other. But, you know, I've been through Thanksgivings, New Year's Eves, uh, birthday parties, Christmases, you know, all things. And my family does like to indulge and my friends like to indulge, which, again, totally fine. I don't you know, my decision is my decision. I, I don't care what what you do as long as you're being respectful and safe and what have you. But no, I, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything in fact, I was gaining because my golf scores were better than some of the ones that were, um, <laughs> you know, really partaking heavily. So if anything, it put not only more dollars in my pocket because Diet Pepsis are cheaper than Coors Light, but, you know, when it came to settle up at the end of the weekend, if anything, it added more to my life and to my pocket, you know, so. I think that's huge. It's, I'm with you that when I tried to go out and do things when I first quit drinking, it definitely felt like I was missing out because that everybody was drinking as I've made my way through this. And I mean, I like you, I've experienced a lot of really cool events over the past couple of years. Like I've done some neat stuff. I've gone on vacations and, you know, gone to holiday parties and all of that. And the more you do it without the alcohol, like the less you feel like something's missing. I think a big part of it was just that it was habit. Like it was just expected that that was going to be a part of the thing that you were doing. So not having it there felt like it was missing. But like I haven't felt like not drinking was making me miss out for a long time. And I think that's important to realize because early on and it definitely was harder. It definitely just felt like it wasn't as much fun to hang out with my friends because it always felt like something was missing but it just doesn't feel that way anymore. And I think a lot of that is probably just the time and the more experience that you you have doing that. Yeah, I agree. I, I At the beginning, I wouldn't go anywhere without a couple of AF beers in my bag. I know this is not for everyone. And I know that alcohol-free doesn't work for some people and it can be triggering. But this was the only way I could go out and try and enjoy myself without having alcohol. So that was my kind of go-to thing at the beginning. Now I'm kind of trying to wean myself off those things because they're really sugary, but that's another story. And after a couple of hours, I kind of think like, you know, I'm the only one not drinking, I'm the boring person, et cetera. But after a couple of hours, the conversation subjects would start to go round and round and it felt like I'd already been there for five hours when I'd only been there for two and I wanted to go home. And so I didn't get the FOMO. It was kind of, I'd be leaving at 10 or 11 p.m. and having JOMO, the joy of missing out, thinking I'm going to be missing out on all the drunken behavior, the puking, 
the people who couldn't remember what they said that night and wake up tomorrow with a horrible hangover. So now it's really like, I just don't, I don't miss it. And I don't think about it the way I used to. And I think you're right, Julie, it's, um, it's really something that you get used to with time. And at the beginning, it's probably going to be hard, but after a while, it just becomes part of your life and you don't need to escape so much. You don't have that craving to escape or that craving to fit in. I went to Morgan Wallen recently and it was embarrassing. Like, well, like, frankly, watching people was like embarrassing for them. Like, I had secondhand embarrassment watching how people were behaving. Secondhand embarrassment. I, I, it was like mortifying. <laughs> like, I, I, I saw like a grown woman, like six years old, fall down the stairs in front of her kid. I'm like, this is what people think they're missing out on. And mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. may be easy for me to say because alcohol was not my drug of choice like i and, and alcohol did have a place in my story and i've also you know i've never been able to use any substance responsibly like first time i ever drank i drank alcoholically when i was 13 but you know it, it there's no like casual social use of heroin like no one's like shooting up and like feel like you're resting out so i'm going to talk mostly here about alcohol but like I mean, I, I look around and I actually got to enjoy my night. I got to take good pictures. Like I didn't have to go to that gross bathroom five times and have to like wait in line. And I mean, I, there was a video clip of a mom and a daughter who got into a fight. And I'm sure you guys, some of you might have seen it on TikTok and like on a porta potty. Like they, they were like fighting in a porta potty. And it's like, this is the thing, these are the things that. alcohol makes people do and so uh when when you said earlier that you that like you gain things you know like you get you gain things like you gain your memory of the night you gain pictures you gain like good conversations you gain actual connection and you get to maintain your self-respect and not have to worry intimacy disorders were a massive massive part of my story and so there was always some form of like either inappropriate behavior with somebody or I was like fight like you know showing like desperation or like you know crying or like the type of love addiction BS that always happens especially it's exacerbating alcohol so I I, you know I very very rarely feel the urge to drink at this point and like feel like I'm missing out there's been two exceptions to that. One time recently when I took um, our kids with my husband, and my husband's also in recovery, so that certainly helps. Like, we're both kind of in this together. Like, I'm not watching him have alcohol. He's not watching me have alcohol. Like, there's none of that. But we went fruit picking. Uh, we go a lot with our kids. We take like a weekend thing here. And they make these really good ciders. And I was... I used to like really enjoy cider. I enjoyed the taste of it. And I was wondering, yeah, I got in that. My dad calls it the curious twist of the mind, just like, you know, alcoholism and alcoholic addict thinking. And I was wondering if, well, it's been, you know, it's been so long. Maybe, maybe alcohol wasn't really my problem. Maybe I could. And then my logic very quickly changed to like, well, 
if I don't want it badly enough that to eat, to have be overriding this conversation in my brain, if I'm willing to pause and have a conversation with myself about this, I don't need it. Like I don't need it and I don't need to risk this because what I have gained from living a life in recovery from alcohol and substances has been tenfold. And I believe that I probably could have uh, a cider and and it might be okay. And then I would have another week later and then more to a week later. And it would very, very quickly in the course of six months, which is relatively quickly when you're looking at a lifespan, yeah. turn into exactly what it used to be. And then another time was in when we went very uh, recently where I was with my husband, but it was on, I was on a work trip in Vegas and they had like this candy store and they had these amazing martinis that had like mixed candies and like, like a nerd's rope sticking out of them. And like that was enticing to me. But again, very quickly it was like shut down because of the risk. The risk just not, it could not like, it outweighs every time any benefit that I could have ever had from it. So I thinking it through is just really critical in those moments. It's interesting what happens when you open the door of permission in your mind. You open the door of permission and then you explore it. You're like, okay, what happens if I give myself permission to do this? Oh, the door doesn't slam shut. It stays creeped open. The crack, the, there's light shining through there because you've allowed it to happen. Even if you have the conversation in your own mind and then you, you're like, nope, you know what? I'm going to miss out on this one. It's the best for me. You know what I'm saying? I was just listening to y'all talk and, and I'm thinking here, I'm like, if you went to a party and everybody was drinking pop, do you think it would feel awkward if you were drinking water? Probably not so much, would it? Not at all. But if everyone was drinking beer and you were drinking water, the story's completely switched. Like the, even the story I tell myself is, is switched. All it is, is a different drink. I'm just like thinking it through right now. And I'm like, wow, okay. I wouldn't feel like I'm missing out on anything if everyone was drinking pop so much as everyone was drinking beer. But the only difference there is essentially there's alcohol in one and I get to escape and I get to trick myself into thinking that uh, I have joy and fun and everything else attached to it. And, and there and there will be moments where I probably will experience the joy and the fun. There will be moments, slivers, until it disappears behind the rest of the stuff we're talking about, right? Forgetting about it and the regret of the night you talk about Eliza you mentioned about be secondary embarrassment yeah I mean I've done so many ridiculous things drinking and drinking wasn't even like my my choice behavior really right. like and uh and so I just I can't even imagine if it had been and so I think we're just gonna we're just gonna leave that door closed and and it's gonna be fine because I don't need it the other thing is, I think we always think that if we're not—I mean, if we're drinking, like people notice what we're doing or care what we're doing, and people are inherently pretty wrapped up in their own thing, their own existence, their own thoughts, their own day. Like, I promise, any time that I thought someone like 
why isn't she drinking? Was warned is she pregnant? Like, what's going on? Is like, I promise nobody cared. Like, I, I was sure that nobody noticed. And if they did, it was a passing thought. And then they instantly went back to whatever else they were thinking about. Amen or they have that. their own problem. I think people who know, look, I notice who's drinking and not drinking. That's because I have an alcohol problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I I want to double down on that because the podcast listeners can't see us all shaking our heads, heads. like like viciously. Like, yes, that's so true. When you when you first make that choice, and this weekend's golf trip was a perfect example not only do people not really realize if you are you aren't drinking it seems like you gain some respect from those who aren't over indulging you know there's a little bit of like respect given there we were on the trip with a couple old hats who it's kind of tough to get respect from those guys to begin with you know but they weren't looking at me like the young degenerate drinker you know and then you do notice others who are going you know really hard i guess if you want to put it that way you know it it really quote unquote sobers you up to the whole all of your surroundings you know so i just wanted to double down on that people really don't care if you're drinking or not you know and and you think that they will but once once it becomes a norm it's just the norm yeah, I people think, are very adaptive. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that it's okay to acknowledge that sometimes you are going to feel like you're missing out. Sometimes you're not going to have as much fun. And like, like I think Eliza was saying, you have to weigh, is this one moment of fun worth giving up everything? that I have in recovery. Because just like you said, Eliza, I know that if I go have one drink, I'll probably be fine for like a week. And then I'd, I've done this. This was in you. what you described there was my exact relapse experience. I had a drink and I was fine. And then the next week I had one more and then I was fine. And then by six months in, I was drinking every single day and way too much. And that's just what it looked like. That was a picture of my relapse, what you just described. And so I know you know, when I'm out there and everybody's having a great time and gosh, that one drink sounds good. I probably could just have the one drink, but I also know it's going to lead to a life of hell that took everything I had to claw my way out of. And so is it worth it like that drinking that one drink so you don't feel like you're missing out or, you know, losing literally everything that I've worked for and everything good that's happening in my life now. And so I think there are just going to be times where you really do just feel like you're missing out and it's just not as much fun. But is that one time really worth everything that you've worked for? And by the when you wake up in the morning, you'll just be glad you didn't give in because mm. you still have everything you've worked for. Yeah. And also, it would never just be one drink in my case anyway. It wouldn't just be like one drink. That doesn't give that didn't give me a buzz anymore. So it wouldn't have been one, it would have been two and then three and then because that was a thing I was chasing, the feeling of being a little bit buzz, which only lasts for about ten minutes anyway. And the rest of the night is just a waste. <laughs> and I also don't think I have another relapse in me. Like, would would I be prepared to put myself back where I was over a year ago and then have to start again? No. And then it's like the fantasy of every addict alcoholic that we can drink or use without consequences, right? Like just a long more time. But it's also like, 
and as over time i can say that that lessons for sure it still pops up occasionally for me but it's it's not common and it's a passing thought now thankfully yeah it doesn't often catch a grip any yeah 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 there's like this like ridiculous fantasy i have in my head of like what a relapse would look like for me um and then magically i could return to my life this is like the the dream for me and it's it's so silly i'm not even gonna we're, we're not even gonna indulge it right now but i guess what i what i'm thinking of is like the it's almost like the pros cons list that you make right or like the two column list when you can't make a decision the list under using or drinking because you feel like you're missing out is going to be one line two lines the list of the pros of not indulging in that is going to be a couple pages like so and in the the, it gets longer and longer so it just if you were advising somebody and you know a non-emotional decision or friend business decision you would never tell somebody oh take take the take the two lines over two pages like that makes sense i mean it's just it's so irrational but yet there's not a whole lot of rational thinking or behavior behind using and, and drinking so it's just one of those things that it's it's always there, but it's if you had to describe it to somebody who's not or hasn't had any experience with this or ever a loved one, you could find someone that doesn't have experience or doesn't have a loved one or a friend that suffers from in some way from this. They they wouldn't even believe it because it's totally totally illogical. Yeah, uh, I I feel like what makes it illogical for some people to to quit drinking because I've said this also to people, you know, 10 months sober and they're like, oh my God, I could never. I'm like, well, you could. If you could, if a doctor told you, if you take another drink, you will die. You could do it. But the way that our society right now, and I'm like a record, a broken record on this. So I apologize because I think I talked about this the last time. The way our society views alcohol especially 10 months sober, grinds my gears more and more every single day, especially the more studies that are done on alcohol and how truly harmful it is to your body. It, it, God's honest truth, if you told me right now, Alex, they just created a bourbon that's not going to kill any of your brain cells and it's not going to cause any like harmful addictions, like it's non-addictive, and uh, your chance for cancer isn't going to go up whatsoever. They took that ethanol, you know, the same ethanol that you put in your gas tank, they took that ethanol out and you can still catch a buzz and there's no repercussions at all. I'd say, how much does it cost? Because that sounds good. But unfortunately, that's not the case. The bourbon that I used to love so much and still probably would, again, God's honest truth, it is really, really bad for you. So (laughs) what... What world do we live in where people are are so, oh my gosh, you don't drink? Oh my God. And you want to say, yeah. And are you aware of what, again, make your own choices. I'm not here to, you know, be a teetoddler or tell you how to live your life. You do you. But that's, that's really bad for you, man. Like your chance, the, what they found now is if you're going to drink, you should have two drinks per week maximum. In what world do people live in where they have two drinks a week and say, oh, I'm good? Yeah, right. Get real. 
you know, it, it, it just, it frustrates me so much that, that sober people are seen as like, not outcast, cause that's not the word that I want to use, but like out, outside of the norm, the norm is so regulated that people do ingest this harmful, addictive poison. And that's just par for the course. That's just what we do as a society. I think that's what's depicted, though. I think I think people not drinking because follow the money, right? Like the alcohol industry makes oh, a yeah. lot of money, yeah. and they have a lot to gain from continuing this this image. Oh, everyone drinks. Like I know a lot of people who have had problems and who haven't had problems that really don't drink, and they just think it doesn't add to their life. Like the CEO of my company, he doesn't doesn't have a problem. He had maybe a glass of wine a month before he started this company. And because now he knows like how harmful, I mean, he's in this industry, there's horror stories. He knows what happened to me, he knows what happened to my husband. So he's just like, eh, I'm just not going to do it. And, and, and I think that's pretty common, like that there's a lot of people that don't indulge in yet society and because of the, the industry is so powerful like wants us to believe that it's so unusual. Yeah. And pharmaceutical industry is the same way, right? Like they They want us to think that, oh my God, like you you can't survive if you don't take an opioid. I used to think that Tylenol was a joke when people gave it to me and I was like, ah, like I'm gonna throw this in the garbage. It's actually like massively effective. But I but I just never gave it a chance. So because I thought I needed opioids because big pharmacists will take this in your gut. No pain. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I think I got the soapbox a little bit oh, there. But I, uh, we I we could know. do four hours, Eliza, just you and I on that topic. But yes, you're exactly right. <laughs> I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if big alcohol was behind all the the mommy wine culture or the you know the the whole pushing wine on on women. And Holly Whitaker talks about it in her book Quit Like a Woman. Excellent book, by the way, if you haven't read it. Um, it's really, it was just their way of trying to conquer a new market, getting women to drink. That's why Alco Pops mm. and sweet drinks were were launched because all the men were already drinking and then they started dying. So had to had to find a new market. Oh, and this mommy wine culture thing really, really, really pisses me off because I fell for that so hard. And a lot of my friends are still in that mommy wine thing. And when I see now how my kids react to me being sober, I think, shit, I really wasted a lot of time drinking when I could have been, you know, I could have been with my kids. And I really, I was saying to Eliza earlier, I used to be, I used to be in a hurry to get them to bed so I could start drinking, or I would just start drinking before they were in bed and to hell with the consequences, you know? And, and I really, I mean, it's my, it was my choice. It was my informed choice, but I think the whole uh the whole mummy wine culture thing is has a lot of responsibility as well in that it's almost like making that permanent decision based on the temporary emotion and so the fear of what about the fear of missing out on your child's life what about well, a bigger fear. fear of missing out on your own what right. about the fear of not being present for certain things and maybe your friends or your parents or your family or 
that doesn't didn't even cross my mind. Like that wasn't something that I even considered because I was making the decision based on I want another drink or what I was what I was gonna you know I was gonna fear missing out on the fun that I ended up experiencing but forgetting anyways so what did I really miss out on I don't have a fear of missing out on my of my hangover like I don't hey. fear missing that thing out at all like two and a half years of no ha- hangover minus the first two weeks <laughs> but I've, go ahead I've I've heard it said ab- about all kinds of drugs that you're you're taking tomorrow's joy and using it right now. So you're stealing from tomorrow's joy and using it right now. So that instant gratification is going to be there. You're going to, again, if anything, again, God's honest truth, and I don't want this to sound like I want to get drunk, but if anything, I do miss that feeling because it is Mm -hmm. fun, right? Now, the next day and the next day and the health outcomes, all the health implications... No, you look at the the full picture. I'm good without it. You're just taking tomorrow's joy and using it right now. And yeah, the, the value proposition for that is horrible. And friend, tomorrow's right around the corner. So, yeah, yeah. that's an incredible way to look at yeah. that. I I don't think I've ever heard it put quite like that. And I think that is brilliant. It's so true. I had kind of an interesting experience. I guess just a week ago or so. Um, so I took my daughter to a concert. And I've gone to concerts sober before. And, you know, like I'm still, I'm looking around and I'm realizing there's lots of people drinking and, and it's not even like a craving, but it's a, oh, like I kind of miss being able to to drink and, and let loose, you know, at a concert and and be one of those people that's sitting there, you know, with, with their hands up and singing along and having like this great time. Because like, I'm not that person when I'm sober. I'm a lot more reserved and quiet. And and so I kind of missed it, I guess, right? A little bit. So this concert that I took her to, it was an all-ages venue and there was no alcohol served at all. And it, the place was packed. The concert was incredible. Um, watching all of these people. It was a Citizen Soldier concert. I'm just going to recommend everybody go listen to Citizen Soldier if you haven't heard of them because it's an, it's amazing music all about mental health and self-image and self-worth. And it's like, it's so good. But there's all these people in the audience that are like fully and completely connecting to this music sober. And never once did I think about missing alcohol. This is maybe the first time I've gone to an event and not at least thought about alcohol. Even the thought like, I'm so glad I'm not drinking or whatever, like that that happens a lot. Alcohol just didn't exist at all for this whole night, which was incredible. It was like 100% present. I fully enjoyed the entire night. I never felt like anything was missing. And I I don't I think that you know a big part of that is that there was just no alcohol present so I didn't have it in my face the way that you know you we're talking about it's in your face all the time in all of society and everything you do and everywhere you go when it wasn't in my face at all it just didn't even exist as a possibility or as anything that I missed or or any of it and it was it was really neat I really wish that that there were more opportunities to go do things like that where alcohol isn't even an option because 
every person in there was enjoying themselves and every person in there was having a great time really connecting with the band that was on the stage and alcohol wasn't necessary for any of it. I don't think you you could ask too many people there. Do you wish you could have been drinking? That would have been like, yeah, absolutely. Because everybody was just fully present to enjoy it. It was really a really cool experience. Wow. Awesome. I um I, there's a, a venue near us that is does a lot of all ages shows and there it's I think it adds a lot when you see that because I also feel like the people that can drink, so some of the shows you can have a wristband and check your ID, whatever. But I don't often see people getting as drunk too at those because there's little guys around. And, and it actually, I never thought of it, but now that I do, those shows have been some of the most enjoyable that I've been to. The neat part about that is because it's not available, it also models to the little ones that you can have fun without it. It's exactly right. We are really big believers in, because genetically our kids are yep. at pretty serious risk, right? Yeah. Um, and so we think all the time about my husband and I about like, well, how do we want to behave? What conversations do we want to have? When do we want to start? What's age appropriate? How do we do this in an age appropriate way? And I'm really glad that because his there's a lot of drinking in his household and there was what like not like dysfunctional drinking, but there was a lot of alcohol and it was like alcohol is what you do at social events down south and especially in Knoxville, Tennessee. And in my family, there was drinking at every dinner out and in every gathering. And um, and so alcohol from you know, time I was in high school was like when you get together with friends, you drink. And I'm glad that, you know, that's not something that's being modeled for my little guys either. We don't have alcohol in our house. Yeah. It's I think it's gonna hopefully make a difference because there are just at such risk. I'm gonna start wrapping this up. We're just talking about modeling things for our children and part of doing what we're doing right now is something I'm I'm hoping that we can help model for our children is have conversations like this and perhaps maybe those kids won't forget 10 years of their life like I feel like I've kind of lost with being wrapped up in my own addiction and if that's something that you know, talk about fear of missing out. I fear that if I go back down that path, do I model this for my kids and then they end up missing out on a huge chunk of their lives because I've modeled that behavior to them and made that all right. Talk about mommy culture. I'm going to go on a slight little rant, but a glass of wine in mommy's hand and who's next to mommy? The baby. And that is like perfect visual. Look, this is what you do, right? And so it's it's walking advertising for a two-year-old too, you know? Absolutely. So really talk about fear of missing out. We covered a lot, you know, events, friends, even talking about the feeling, missing out on the feeling of, you know, those first couple of drinks, because yeah, sure, it felt good, but the rest of the night went not the way you expect it to. It's, Alex, you said it the best, taking tomorrow's joy for right now. So I want to say thank you, Sherilyn. Thank you, Eliza. And thank you, Alex. Thank you guys for your patience and waiting for this to get fired up. Thank you, Alex, for coming here 
at very last minute to make this happen. I really appreciate all of your guys' thoughts and your time. Thank you so much. Hey, Steve, can I do something on your podcast that I do on my podcast? Sure. I just thought about this idea. I want all of your listeners this week to go out and tell somebody that you love them. Maybe somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Just just think of like, or maybe it is somebody you tell every day. And you're like, I just really want that person to know that I love them. So make sure we sign off all of my podcasts with a make sure you tell somebody you love them this week. Awesome. And I love all you guys. Awesome. I love that so much. I love that so much too. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for sharing your time with us today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow through the Glass Recovery Podcast so you don't miss future episodes. See you next week.